0: so you can enjoy the tiny bits that matter most.
1: Hi, I'm Shaletta Brundage. I'm a media personality, podcaster, and a business owner. But my most important role is mom. Three of my beautiful kids have been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. When I didn't know who to trust or where to turn, I found Agra. ACRA provides home care services to families all over Minnesota. The care is not one size fits all. They know each one of my kids is unique. They listen to what resources we needed and what's best for our family. I've seen my kids grow and thrive with ACRA's in-home care. While autism is the most common diagnosis among ACRA clients, ACRA offers personalized in-home care services for people with disabilities, chronic illnesses, behavioral diagnosis, and mental illness. They work with children, adolescents, and older folks too. Find out more about ACRA at their website, acrahomecare.org. ACRA helps me provide my kids with a better quality of life. They can do it for your family too.
2: It's Not Your Fault is a podcast for parents, caregivers, and young people navigating the world and its challenges. Here's your host, Brandon Jones. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of It Is Not Your Fault 18 Mental Health Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Jones. And on today's episode, we're wrapping up our last episode on the segment with the Youth Risk Behavior Survey that we've been covering over the past few episodes. And on this episode, I'm going to talk about the last concluding feature that they highlighted in this report. And kind of my thoughts on where I see um, the approach to young people and mental health is going, given the current state that we're in. Um, it's it's sad that we continue to see so many different young people struggling in so many different ways, school shootings, carjackings, community violence. Uh, when I say community violence, gun violence, uh, robberies, kidnappings, young people, suicide is up. Um, young people contemplating uh, utilizing self-harm, these things are happening. And it's not just one state, it's not just one place. A lot of it's in America, that's interesting. but when we, But since we're in the United States, since we're in America, we have to focus on the youth here, but not saying that our youth have more important things than others. But it is important for us to understand that something's happening with young people here in the United States. The access to weapons, the access to drugs, the access to alcohol, and the access to unhealthy sexual practices are all things that young people have been entrenched with and they're utilizing. And I think a lot of adults, a lot of parents, a lot of caregivers, a lot of people who work with young people are terrified. I'm terrified. I'm a father myself. I have three daughters. Think about it all the time. What are the things that they've been exposed to, introduced to? Um... When I'm not looking, when I don't have my, you know, finger on the pulse, so to say, when their mother is not looking, when the mom, when their mother uh, is not uh, aware of the things that are going on. Because, believe it or not, we can't monitor our children 24-7. It's just impossible. Many of our children, they go to school for anywhere between six to eight hours, depending on how the school set up, sometimes even longer. Then they do their homework or they get into their activities, their sports or whatever. Um, They also may get into on the Internet. They might get on their tablets, on their phones or whatnot. And we can't monitor everything. And that's not to put fear or paranoia in your hearts or in your mind. But it is a reality that we just cannot control everything that young people see, do, hear, and experience. So I say that to say, we have to have a different approach when we talk about combating some of these things that are out there. We have to have a different approach when it comes to the mental well-being and the mental health treatment of our young people. Because unfortunately we do not have enough providers at the moment to actually address the issues that young people have or adults for that matter. So we need a new approach towards mental health. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about that in this episode. And I'm going to talk about it in a more, an extensive way in an episode to come. But first, let me talk about the last portion of this report. The last portion of this report, again, and that's the Youth Risk Behavior, um, Behavior Survey that was done by the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, put this out. They talked about new and emerging national data. And this is what it said from the report. The National Youth Risk Behavior Survey included three new measures for the first time in 2021. Those three new measures were school connectedness, parental monitoring, and unstable housing. These measures will increase our understanding of protective factors for youth and social determinants of health. Now that may be a new term for some of you, social determinants of health. Those are the systematic factors Um, there's 10 of them, 10 core ones, there's probably more than 10, um, that impact people's ability to live a healthy life. And when we think about things like access to quality air, we think about things like access to food, um, you know, a consistent income and money flow, um, you know, adequate education, things of that nature, those all can fall under the concept of social determinants of health. So continuing on from the actual uh, report. Both are critical to improve adolescent health. School connectedness and parent monitoring are important protective factors for sexual behavior, substance use, violence, and suicidal thoughts and behaviors. Experiencing unstable housing, however, can increase a student's risk. Youth who experience unstable housing are more likely than their stability are more likely than their stably housed peers to experience violence, use substances, and have higher rates of poor mental health. So what this study is saying, and again, this is a 10-year study from 2011 to 2021. They're saying that they have noticed a trend where you include these three factors, school connectedness, parental monitoring, and unstable housing. They notice that when young people are connected to their school and when their parents monitor as best as they can, remember, you can't be there 24-7, monitor everything, that students have better outcomes. They also notice that when housing is unstable, students have worse outcomes. So we know that these three things are critical things. We need to make sure that the, that the school is connected. So when it's, the, it's literally the main institution that socializes our kids next to parenting. And then, then you add parenting. Parenting being engaged, I would, you know, they call it parental monitoring. I would say parent engagement, because uh, I know parents who just lock their kids down, they send them to room, they only get the iPad or whatever internet access, video game access for about an hour a day, um, and those kids are miserable uh, because they they don't have an opportunity to connect with their parents, but not necessarily like be best friends with their parents, but just a general connection. Uh, And then also, you know, stable housing. We know when young people, we know just some people in general, when they're not stably housed, when they don't have a place, uh, things can go really just awry and it's unfortunate. So we have to make sure that um, stable housing and stability uh, and consistency is important. I would add to stable housing and kind of blend it in with the first one with the school connectedness. When you have young people who switch schools consistently, that makes it very difficult for them to adjust. So it's very important that we keep in mind that um, consistency in schools is important. And you know, I know people I, that I went to school with. I know even my even my own family members. I think about my brothers; they went to way more schools than I did. They went to way more elementary schools and middle schools than I did. There was a lot of switching going on. And for some reason, my my school um, access always maintains stability. I only went to three schools. I went to the same elementary school, the same middle school, and the same high school. But my my younger brothers, they had a different situation where they went to different schools. So um, I definitely think that that plays a role in being able to develop friendships, connection with educators, a connection to the school when there's so much instability that takes place. So a couple more things from the... couple more things from the uh, report that I wanted to share with you. It says protective factors are characteristics, conditions, and behaviors that improve health outcomes or reduce the effects of stressful life events and other risk factors. School connectedness, which is feeling among adolescents that people people at school care about them, their well-being, and their success has a long-lasting protective effect uh, for adolescents youth who feel connected at school are less likely to experience risk related to substance use mental health violence and sexual behavior school connectedness also protects against co-occurring uh, co-occurring co- co-occurrence of this risk school connectedness was asserted by asking whether students felt close to people at their school parental monitoring is another important protective factor for adolescents high High parental monitoring, defined as parents or other adults in the students' families, most of the time are always knowing where they are or where they are going or who they are going to be with. is associated with the decrease in sexual risk, substance use, uh, experiences of violence, and suicidal thoughts and behaviors. Parental monitoring was uh, assessed by asking students whether their parents or other adults in their home most of the time or always knew where they were going and who they would be with. So, again, this having a general understanding where your kids are at, what they're doing, who they're connected with um, will help just to reduce the risk of them finding themselves in some very uncomfortable, dangerous and scary situations. Uh, So we know that it's important to be engaged and involved with your children for that just their mental health, but also their ability to succeed. But that doesn't mean locking them down and keeping them away from things. And that doesn't mean that your level of fear and paranoia should be sky high, but your awareness should be. And you want to make sure that you keep a good connection with your children so that the communication can be very effective as well. Otherwise, you may be putting your child in even more jeopardy than you want them to, and they may be pushing away from you because of the position that you're taking of locking them down. And I bring that up because I've had a few parents recently ask me a few different types of questions that, all oh, were kind of within the same ballpark. And I think that a lot of people are parenting from a position of fear due to just where things are in society. And I get it. I understand it professionally and personally. I understand it personally because I am a dad and I think about my children as they enter into their you know, younger teen years and they want more independence. And I think about the things that I hear and see that I've seen as a, as a therapist and uh, as, as a person who's worked in community for so long and how my heart would just drop if anything happened to my kids, I get it. But at the same time, I don't wanna shelter them from the realities of life. And I don't wanna shelter them from having life experience that helps them grow. So there's a thin line that happens that that we have to unfortunately balance in this society for our children to have an opportunity just to be children and that's scary you know and then professionally i think about it because you know at the end of the day i've dedicated my livelihood to assisting and helping people grow and thrive to the best of their ability and i don't have the answer all the time i have ideas but I definitely have the answer because if I did, one, <laughs> I'd probably be a multi-billionaire because I've solved the problem of how to help children thrive. But two, these problems would stop happening, and they haven't. So I hope that folks like yourself, folks like me, we can continue to, you know, use our brain energy, use our heart energy to make the change that's necessary for our children to thrive and succeed in the society, and and make sure that this place is safe enough for them to do it again, I'm not ringing the alarm here, and I'm not, you know, rattling the cage, so to say, to scare you or make you more paranoid about what's happening, but I am just going to keep it, you know, 100 ways to keep it very real and let you know that at the end of the day, there are things that we can do, and there are things that are happening at the same time, and we have to just use our best judgment to give our children a chance to thrive and grow in the society. So with that, as always, you can reach out to me with questions, comments, or concerns a couple of different ways. The first way is at my own website, that's jegna.org, www.jegna.org, or you can check us out on our Facebook group at the um, It Is Not Your Fault podcast. If you put that in the Facebook search, you can find us Hit us up there. We, say, we share articles and information there all the time. You can also find me at Shaletta Makes Me Laugh.com. That is Shaletta Makes Me Laugh.com. This has been another installment of It Is Not Your Fault, a teen mental health podcast for not just adults and caregivers, but also for young people. Make sure you share this podcast with somebody you care about and come back next time. Peace. To check out previous episodes of It's Not Your Fault, or to learn more about Brandon Jones, log on to laugh.com Well, this is awkward. <laughs> on this season of Outside Chance, <laughs> we're about to put the fly and fly fishing. I'm about to prove there's an outdoor activity for everybody. Yes! This one I'm pretty confident I can make. <laughs> I'll break down gear, costs, and best locations to learn. Holy oh, crap. Whoa,
1: yeah! Life yeah. is meant to be experienced. <laughs> Did you see that? Join <laughs> me and find out what you've been missing. I am so excited to invite you to a one-of-a-kind experience featuring Isabel Wilkerson, the acclaimed New York Times best-selling author of The Warmth of Other Suns and cast. You don't want to miss this incredible keynote event, emceed by NPR's Angela Davis and moderated by Chandra Smith Baker. Wilkerson will share her powerful insights on the impact of cast on American society. Join Teach for America Twin Cities and the Minneapolis Foundation at Northrop on Friday, April 28th at 7 p.m. for an intimate evening of discussion and discovery. Visit Northrop's website or scan the QR code on your screen to secure your tickets today. Be part of something bigger. Join us at Northrop Auditorium for Exposing America's Invisible Scaffolding on April 28th at 7 p.m.
3: When I walked across that stage at my high school graduation, I was excited but confused about my next step. Then I walked through the doors at Doherty Family College. Doherty Family College is part of the University of St. Thomas. It's a two-year college that lets you earn an associate's degree and puts you on the path to your bachelor's degree. Classes are small, so I have a personal relationship with professors committed to my success. Like the name says, they treat us like family. They call us scholars because they believe we could do anything we put our minds to. They set us up for excellence with free tutoring, and that's not the only thing that's free. Laptops, books, even breakfast and lunch, and bus fare. That's part of the package here at Doherty Family College. It's even free to apply. So do like I did, go to DFC. .stthomas.edu and set up a tour. We'd be excited to welcome you to our family here at Doherty Family
0: College. Whether I'm taking the bus or the light rail, I'm on board with Metro Transit. What would I do without my ride? I hope to never find out. Metro Transit is my ticket to get where I need to go, uptown or downtown, city or suburbs, no hassle. It's my reliable, affordable way to get to work, run errands, visit friends, and then get back home to my neighborhood. With easy to pay fares, I just jump on board and relax while a professional does the driving. This is my time to listen to my music, catch up with my friends on social media, play a game or read, or just chill out and unwind on the way to my destination. But sharing the ride is also about being with folks from my community, headed to school, or traveling to their appointments, or out on the town. Traveling together, we make our roads safer and create a healthier environment for everyone. Get on board with Metro Transit. It's your ride, too. Racial covenants had structured every aspect of life. Keeping black people in black spaces.
1: Slavery's history is Minnesota's history.
0: So much of working towards racial equity is around telling our own stories. You know Shaletta makes you laugh. But did you know Shaletta Brundage can also make you think and boost your business? Media personality, activist, and comedian Shaletta Brundage founded Shaletta Makes Me Laugh to celebrate and share the best of black culture. It's a podcasting platform. You can download 10 weekly podcasts, hosted by African-American subject experts at ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com is also a production house, creating broadcast-quality commercial content. And Shaletta and her team of storytellers create powerful promotional campaigns to get businesses the brand awareness they're looking for. Some of Minnesota's top businesses trust Shaletta, and you can too. Get out the word about your events and products and get in front of communities of color with ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. She's got the power to help your business. When you're running your own business, it's exciting to imagine what's possible and overwhelming to think about how to make it work. You need a banker to help meet challenges and make the most of opportunities to grow at Bremer bank. We understand that success is always a team effort. Because right now, relationships matter more than ever. And understanding is everything. Find out more at bremer.com. When it comes to deciding what gets recycled or what doesn't, you don't have to be confused. Ramsey County makes it easy to drop off the right items at the right locations without a lot of extra work. And it's free. Um, yard waste. Check. Household hazardous waste, you bet. Food scraps, those too. Unwanted medicine, we take it. Old electronics, bring them by. Household recycling, you know it. Learn what items you can dispose of and wear at RamseyRecycles.com. Because in Ramsey County, recycling is for everyone.
1: At General Mills, our table is your table and we believe racial equity, diversity and inclusion are key ingredients for our success. Learn more about our work to inspire change at generalmills.com forward slash racial equity.